I believe that when you want a long-lasting change for the better, you need to take a holistic approach. Because if you don't, there's gonna always be something that's missing. What's up guys, welcome back to Jumping Timelines, the number one health podcast in the world. Today's episode is called Navigating Holistic Health. And I get this question a lot, people ask me what do I do these days, what am I up to? And I tell them that I am a holistic lifestyle coach or that I help people with holistic health. They usually say something like, Wow, it sounds pretty cool. I have no idea what that means, but it sounds sounds good. I think the best way I can describe it is I help people become their strongest, healthiest and happiest selves by taking a holistic approach and looking at all aspects of life that matter when it comes to health, happiness and becoming strong and so much more. So it's not just a fitness coaching, it's not just, you know, here's, here you go, here's your workout plan, here's your meal plan, and go do it. It's, so many people do that, and I never wanted to take that path. I believe that when you want a long-lasting change for the better, you need to take a holistic approach. Because if you don't, there's going to always be something that's missing. So that's why I wanted to go down this path. And yeah, it sort of started by me trying to help myself and me trying to become my strongest, healthiest and happiest self. Because at the end of the day, I strive to become the best version of myself. And that's how it all started. So basically you do, you need to do certain things to achieve your desires, your dreams, goals, and so on. But it's not about avoiding things you love and doing things you hate. It's actually the opposite. It's about doing things you love, but in a better way. And that's all that's what holistic health is all about in my opinion or at least it's what it should be so if you hate running that's okay you don't have to be running if you hate working out that's okay too like not everyone's passion is lifting weights and that's okay because there are other things that help you get in shape such as rock climbing or paddleboarding to name a few so you don't need to get stuck in that idea that by hiring you know someone to help you with getting in the best shape of your life you're gonna be eating things you hate and you'll be doing things you hate it's not like that or at least it shouldn't be so this is where it started for me I was like, I have this dream, I have this vision that I want to achieve. It is everything but realistic. So how do I give myself the best chance of achieving it? 
So I want to create a program for myself that will help me and that will give me the best chance to be my best self and therefore it will give me the best chance to achieve what I want to achieve. So I believe there are five pillars that we can address when it comes to this. It is movement, nutrition, happiness, embodiment and stillness. And we can address all of those and when we put all of them together, I believe that's where we are becoming our best version of ourselves every day. Because if there is one missing, then it everything falls apart sooner or later. So for example, if your workout plan is on point, you never miss a gym session, but your sleeping schedule sucks, then you might get injured, might not get injured, but all in all, it wouldn't work out as well at best if you don't get injured. But it would definitely not be as good as it could be if your sleep was on point as well. And that's why I believe it's so important to take holistic approach when it comes to anything in life, really. Because the way you do anything is the way you do everything. And so I really believe that if you don't take the holistic approach, there's always going to be something missing. But it all starts with having a clearly defined vision or dream or go or all of them basically and it has to be authentic and it has to come from you so for example if let's say your spouse wants you to lose weight so you go see a trainer and you tell him you know my spouse wants me to lose some weight what, what can we do but if you have the mindset that you know you don't really care you don't care about your appearance you're just there so you can tell your spouse that you tried then it's never gonna work or at least it's never gonna work long term because your reason why isn't strong enough so when because we don't we aren't motivated every day like most of the time we don't want to go to the gym right some most people most of the time don't want to go to the gym and so the important thing is that you do it anyway and you can only do it anyway if your reason why is big enough in other words if your reason why is big enough you don't need a crisis and so it can't come from anyone else it has to come from you Otherwise, it won't be strong enough. So you have to start by defining that. And then from there, you build out everything that you do and that you sign up for doing. Because for me, why would I ever want to eat healthy if I didn't have a clearly defined goal? Like if it didn't matter... I would eat all the junk food in the world because it tastes better. Not necessarily, maybe. it. For most people, it does. That's why they eat it, I guess. 
but the point is what is stopping you from eating all those things that are hindering your progress or you know they don't help you become healthy actually the opposite so if my goal is to be as strong as I can and look as good as I can that obviously that's gonna be if that's strong in, if that desire in me is strong enough then that's gonna help me when I crave a dessert in a restaurant when we go out for dinner so I believe that dream that I have of me having perfect physique and being as strong as I can is much stronger than that momentarily desire for the dessert so at the end of the day that's easy choice and some sometimes people ask me how can you do it how can you you know when everyone else around me is getting dessert like why don't you eat dessert like how can you like i know you crave it how can you like say no to that because i have clearly clearly defined reason why and it doesn't align with eating dessert at night. And it doesn't matter, that doesn't mean that I don't sometimes still eat it. Because I, I definitely do. But it's not a normal daily occurrence, I guess. So you clearly define your dream. And then from there you ask yourself... How do I become a match to that? How do I become the person that is actually worthy or capable of achieving that dream? And so if your dream is becoming, is having a perfect physique, then you address those five pillars one by one and say, okay, I'm going to work out three four times a week i'm gonna eat healthy i'm gonna get eight hours of sleep and i'm gonna optimize all those things and ultimately i'm gonna become the person who has the ability to have that body because if you neglect all of those things then nothing is really gonna change and you're not gonna achieve it even if you desire it and Becoming a match to your dream isn't always as much about doing all those different things that you weren't doing before. It's more about removing the things that are no longer a match. So let's say you used to eat Nutella on toast for breakfast every day. That once you woke up you down you had to down a red bull just to function and then you'd drink beer three times a week that is not a match to that dream of yours anymore so you remove it and now you are actually strong enough to remove it because you know your dream means more to you than doing all those things So your reason why and your dream is basically the source of your motivation. It should be eternal source of your motivation. 
so that when the temptation hits, when the when you wanna eat a dessert, when you wanna sleep in or stay up late, or when you don't feel like working out, that's when you remind yourself of your dream and what you sign up for, and you go out and you do it. And sometimes the hardest part is to just put those shoes on and go to the gym. Once you're there, it's it's not that bad. And then after, you're thanking yourself and you're glad that you did go. And so, motivation, I believe, is temporary. But that reason why is it's always there for you. But I believe it can go much deeper than that. Because it is proven that we function better if we have not only something to run towards, but also something to run away from. So, if my reason, if if my desire is to become as muscular as I can, that's something that I want to run towards. And what I want to run away from is being fat, being someone who looks in the mirror and he's disgusted with himself who's sick, who's feeling constantly tired and who can't really enjoy life to the fullest. And so when you think about that and you sort of visualize yourself in that position and you realize that you would hate that for yourself so much that you would never want to allow that and that's what drives you even more at certain times. I believe there's a time and place for both of them. And sometimes the the negative motivation, sort of the negative reinforcement works even better. And also there are like so many other things to motivate you from a place where you don't feel like doing anything, such as listening to music that uh, gets you that hypes you up a little bit or um, watching a quick motivational video or reading a quote or simply just remembering something mean that someone else told you about you know how you can't do something or that you look a certain way and so you just take that you take that emotion and you use it And I wanted to share a quote that was written on a wall in the gym that I used to go to. It is by Theodore Roosevelt and he says that it is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or whether the doer of the deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is murdered by dust and sweat and blood who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again, because there is no effort without error and shortcomings, but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at worst, if he fails, at least he fails while daring greatly, 
so that his place shall never be with those called intimate souls who neither know victory nor defeat. And I love that quote so much because I think often when uh, you put yourself out there and when you have to become vulnerable by doing something that is scary, then everyone else seems to be an expert on it all of a sudden. They tell you that you can't do it just because they couldn't do it themselves and they don't want to feel bad about themselves by you actually being able to do it. And so everyone seems to be so quick to judge you when you are actually daring to do something that is not very easy to be done. None of that stuff, none of that chatter matters. All that matters is you are doing what you want to be doing. You are putting yourself out there, exposed to failure. And more often than not, you are going to fail. But you are failing forward in a way. And you are become better by learning from all those shortcomings. And at the end of the day, that's more than all of those people will ever do or dare to do. I think it was David Goggins who said that you will never meet a hater who's doing better than you. And I think that's I think that's so true. Because in today's world of social media, so many people comment so many negative things on other people's posts. And I never really understood that. Like, why would you take time of your day to write something bad about a person or negative about anything, really? Like, why would you put that energy out to the world? It's only hurting yourself. So actually not, it's sometimes it ends up hurting the person as well when they take it personally, when they, when it keep, becomes so much on the person, when they, all they see is bad comments everywhere, sometimes it gets to people and then they struggle with depression, anxiety and and so on just because other people couldn't stand someone else being themselves. Uh, it just sounds so silly, like so unnecessary. But that's the world we live in. He can't change it. He could, in a way, you can help to shift it a little bit. But at the end of the day, he can't save everyone. And so I think it's definitely extremely important to know how to deal with that sort of stuff. And the best way I've, I've ever seen to anyone to deal with that is actually David Gargans again, who reads out all the bad comments, he records them, and uh, then he plays them like sometimes at his house, and he listens to them while he runs or when he... Uh, feels like he needs some extra motivation to just stay hungry and 
Yeah, stay motivated and stay top of being his best self and being full-time savage. And I think when you have the ability to do that, then you take the power out of everyone's opinion and you sort of shift that energy and you take it all and you use it all. So none of his haters have any power over him whatsoever. And sometimes that's where people go wrong. They do read the bad comments, they take it personally and that it kind of can consume them. But I think it's essentially to know that those comments have actually nothing to do with you and everything to do with them. Because by judging someone else, you are actually judging yourself. There's a quote from Paul Chegg. He says that every time you point a finger at someone, there are three fingers pointing right back at you. And I think it's just like perfect metaphor of what really happens when we judge people. The next thing to identify is what is it that has the power to stop me? Like if I could write a list of things that could potentially stop me from achieving my dream, what would it be? So you list them out and you go one by one. How can we make sure that it doesn't stop me? So I want to get a little bit into all of the five pillars and what they sort of involve and a simple way how I address each of those to create the program for myself and for my clients. But before I do, I want to talk about the ultimate goal of the the entire holistic approach which I believe should for everyone be just living your best life. And you do that by staying healthy. Because sooner or later your health will become your number one concern. Because you can have all the money in the world and then when your knee starts hurting and you can't walk, then what are you thinking about? The Ferrari you have or that you, you're hurting and you can't walk. But where it all started for me was I wanted to become as big as I could and as strong as I could because I've always felt like that if I wasn't in the best shape that I could, that I'm letting down the entire bloodline as well. Like what reason would I possibly have to not be in the best shape that I can be like there's no one excuse that I could think of that would explain that I'm not trying enough it would feel like ultimate disrespect to myself and to everyone else around me I wouldn't be able to look at myself in the mirror and have some sense of pride in myself because If you're not working out or doing some sort of exercise and working towards being in the best shape that you can be, you are already failing at being the best version of yourself for yourself and for everyone else around you. And it's so easy. 
and yet more and more people neglect it today because of the way we are programmed as well because of the money over health mindset you know i go work first or money first and then i can worry about you know being healthy later such a bs and it doesn't have to be that way you don't have to you shouldn't ever choose between money and health it should come together and that's why the holistic approach means so much to me because you can have it all together you don't have to choose one or the other and i think people just limit themselves to think that they can't have it all and thinking that others are just fat phobic or that you know this is just the way i am i don't want to give up food i don't want to change i don't like working out they're just excuses we were all i believe you are all meant to work out and stay in shape that that's why i never really understood why people actually tolerate themselves not working out i just don't understand that they are willing to not work out and not stay in shape not eat healthy and not be the best version of themselves like it would drive me absolutely crazy and i actually found some crazy stats from america it says that 69% of the american population is overweight only 8% of men exercise and only 3% of women exercise that's crazy when you if you looked at pictures of people on a beach in 1980s you would find it extremely hard to find a single overweight person and now it's the exact opposite it's absolutely crazy and it's gotten so bad that people think it's okay that it's normal when it's definitely not it's so unhealthy to be overweight it's so unhealthy to be fat and it's so easy to get in shape again if you are in that position it is so easy anyone who has a little bit of discipline can do it it's not a rocket science and you don't even have to give up things you love or do things you hate it is so easy and yet so many people most people choose to completely neglect it and to stay the same or not stay the same actually get worse progressively and become more and more overweight and so it's essentially giving up your on yourself and i never understood how can you ever give up on yourself and on the people around you because let's say 
you marry a girl and then 20 years later you've gained what, 30 pounds how is that fair to your spouse she didn't marry that she married a person who was decently in shape and now what does what does she have a guy that's overweight who lost his manhood who gave up on himself to what to become more comfortable to consume more fast food drink more sugary drinks for what it is the ultimate disrespect to everyone around you and especially you and yet it's so easy to change all that and to shift the entire thing to shift the mindset and to start working towards being healthy and fit again and it doesn't take that long it doesn't take years to get in shape if you do it properly it takes a few months and you're back in the game okay so addressing the five pillars first comes happiness so it is important to ask yourself what it is that makes me happy and if you can't answer that question then you go back to your childhood and you ask yourself what did you enjoy doing as a child and you go back to that time and you sort of relive it and you say okay I like this I like doing this and what's the time what's the last time you did those things probably 20 30 years ago and that's okay so you take those and you see if you can still implement those in your life today and more often than not in some way or the other you can you need more of those things to find the work-life harmony and to become happier person for yourself and for the people around you the second thing is to identify what takes the happiness from you so you list those out and on the top of the list is the the main thing that just causes you being extremely unhappy angry all the time and for a lot of people it can be the relationship with the immediate supervisor at work and you come to the point when you realize you know she or he have tortured me for long enough it's time for me to take responsibility in my own hands and it's time to move on it's time to find a different job or start my own business because I spend nine to five so many hours a day at that job that I don't enjoy and I get yelled at by someone who I don't want to be yelled at by someone who I don't want to deal with And this is definitely very scary. But you just have to take 
and find those five seconds of courage, quit that job, and I promise you'll find something better. Because that feeling of unknown is definitely worth just going for it over being miserable for the rest of your life. Because when you think about it that way, then what do you really have to lose? I quit my job. What's the worst that what's the worst thing that can happen? Like you're gonna find another job. So you come to the conclusion that the worst thing that can happen is that you actually stay where you are and you remain miserable. So it then becomes a no-brainer. And next comes embodiment, which for me is about manifestation, about law of attraction, thinking good thoughts, only speaking of yourself in a good way. I think it's... I've been told this by one of my golf coaches um, a couple of years ago. He told me that I shouldn't say a single negative thing about myself ever. And so I really try to never do. And I try to, because some people mistake it for arrogance or toxic confidence. But you're just speaking things into reality in a way. And by thinking positive thoughts and by feeling positive feelings associated with your dream and your desire you are actually co-creating that reality and that's how so many successful people actually became this successful so it's definitely real it's not something wishy-washy magic stuff that weird people talk about it's always law of attraction is always at work but more importantly i want to talk about that vision that you have and you take that and you sort of live at the finish line like the minute you decide who you want to be how you're gonna do it and what it is that you're gonna do you already become that person and you live as as it is already done you've already achieved it you are that person what are you gonna do how are you gonna feel how are you gonna carry yourself and so that's what i always try to do for myself i have this goal i have this huge dream completely unreasonable definitely delusional but it's already done i'm already that person so when i wake up in the morning I get to be excited and so happy and stoked about having achieved that dream already. And that is what's going to manifest it. And that is what is going to make it happen. And that's how I co-create with the universe. And that's how I co-create my reality. Next, we've got stillness. Stress, sleep, meditation. So when it comes to stress, it's all about how you perceive things. 
So if you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. And so if you have so much work that you have to do, then you've got two choices. Either you're going to be, you're going to approach it with mindfulness and you're going to be like, okay, I've got a lot of work. Like, what can I do? I Maybe I can listen to some fun music, to some music that's going to make me feel good. And that way I can make more work done and it's going to, it's going to feel better. Or I can just completely lose it, get angry at my partner and get anxious about all the work that I do and complain. And so I believe that's where the stress comes from, the, the negative stress. You've got good stress and bad stress. And the good stress actually uh, helps you uh, achieve things, helps you become more productive. And in sports, it it can give you that edge. Like with like healthy amount of stress, you can get into that flow and you just cruise and you get to play better than you could ever play without that pressure and stress so there's definitely two types of stresses but when we're talking about the negative stress you can sort of repackage it by just changing the way you look at it and choosing to look at it the way that actually helps you to make the most out of this situation when it comes to sleep, I wanted to mention that my freshman year in college, I would go to bed around midnight and I would wake up around 4 a.m. to go practice before going to school. And so I would get like four hours a day and I thought I was I was a champion. I thought that was such a good idea. I followed Kobe at the time. And I read that he was doing that. And I looked at the way I looked at it was if I sleep only four hours a day, then I've got 20 hours to work. And it obviously doesn't work like that. And in long, long term, it's definitely the amount of people that can get away with it is almost zero so i definitely wouldn't recommend it and now i i'm back to sleeping eight hours a day and that's what actually helps you burn fat and get properly recovered and that's what helps you push so much more in the gym and progress so much more in the gym and nowadays i'm able to hit a pr every single workout it's also because of the way I work out, but the sleep is a big part of it. And another thing that I wanted to note is that the body repairs happen from 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. So that's why it is important to be in bed by 10 p.m. so you don't miss out on those body repairs and so that your body can actually recover properly another thing is 
that your cortisol levels are at the peak around 9 a.m. So from let's say from 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. So that is when I try to work out because I used to wait till maybe 8 p.m. Work out from 8 p.m. to almost 10 and then go to bed and sometimes I have trouble falling asleep. And that's because by working out you raise the cortisol levels, the, the stress hormone. And then your body isn't in that relaxed state to be able to fall asleep properly and recover properly. So the the best time to work out is from a six six AM to noon. And the cortisol levels peak at 9am. When it comes to meditation. I think anyone could benefit so much from it. And you don't have to. Like the common misconception is that. You know I, I keep thinking. I can't stay still. I can't. I don't have time. It doesn't work for me. I'm not that kind of person. But in fact, it's not about stopping your thoughts. It's about being becoming an observer. So you just, it's sort of like watching clouds on the sky. You don't judge the sky for having been cloudy. <laughs> and your mind is designed to think. So try and... I get I got this from Paul Chegg. He says that trying to stop your mind from thinking is like trying to stop water from being wet. And I thought about it. It's super true. So for me, I usually practice Qigong in the morning for around 10 minutes. Really feel the Qi in my hands and sort of um, it's my way to... Um, one of my ways to try to find inner peace and then I usually meditate for around 10 minutes and I don't actually like to stand or uh, sit in lotus position I actually enjoy laying down on the floor and with a blanket over myself and just try to stay still and observe my thoughts and don't get too too attached to any of them and just let them go and I think some people think that when you do all those things it's actually just delaying the time like when you actually start doing the actual work but for me I think when I don't do it is when I feel like I'm constantly chasing the day I get more, I can, I'm more prone to being, to get irritated and I'm more prone to get angry at people and to snap. And I think when I start my morning the right way, when I do my practice, when I do my meditation, when I go to the gym afterwards, I am in such a heightened state compared to 
those mornings when I do don't do any of those things and just go straight to work. That I think it's such a game changer. I, I don't think that I could that I would want to live without that kind of morning routine because it helps me to become my best me. It helps me to become more grounded and and overall more happy. The fourth pillar is movement. And so you've got working out and working in. So working out adds the stress to the body while working in releases the stress from the body. Working out takes the energy away from you. Working in gives you the energy. And so when you balance those, that's when you can get the best results. So what most people do is when they try to start working out, they take a body that's completely out of balance. They add a bunch of stress to it in form of working out. And then they either get injured or burned out or sick. And they try to recover for a little bit and then they repeat the entire process and just it is a definition of vicious cycle and so when your body and your life is out of balance working out right away like straight out of bed isn't always the best answer especially when people start running long distances it is not the best way to go even like when the intention is good if that's not that's not the way to do it correctly long term and you're very likely to get injured and so for me these days i i used to work out six times a week for around two hours but i would find that i would hit plateaus frequently and I felt like I wasn't was working so hard, but I wasn't. I didn't really feel like I was getting a lot of results out of it. And I actually started working out just every other day, so three to four times a week, for around thirty to forty minutes. And I would only do I would do warm up sets, and then I would only do one main set till failure. And it's actually crazy how much can I progress by doing that and how quickly I get done and then I can get on with my day. It is crazy that I can actually hit a PR every single workout. Ever since I started doing that, it wasn't there wasn't one workout, one single workout where I wouldn't hit a PR. And so that kind of, it gets those, it makes you feel like you're getting those little wins on board. And overall, it just stops you and prevents you from plateauing. And it always uh, keeps you motivated and keeps you moving forward. I think the common misconception is that everyone who goes to the gym has to meal prep and they have to count their calories and uh, they have to just eat chicken and rice all day long. They have to be so strict with their diet to 
achieve like all these great physiques but it's none of it is actually true and when you take the holistic approach you understand that counting calories is not necessarily the best way to do it the the goal isn't to turn food into a math class and to just count every little detail that you eat so that one day you don't even see the food you just see the numbers do you just see the macros i don't think the best that's the best way to do it the best way to do it i believe is first figuring out your diet type there are three basic diet types and once you figure out that you can figure those out by answering uh, a certain questionnaires about um food and what you sort of crave and enjoy and your habits overall and so once you figure figure that out that gives you the proportions of foods that should um your meal contain so there will be certain amounts of protein certain amounts of carbs and certain amounts of fats slash oils and when you eat that way in correct proportions you will actually never be tired after eating anymore and so what i thought was normal was that you eat and you then you get really tired then you have to take a nap basically because that's how i grew up i would we would go to my grandma's we would eat and then I would have to lay down for like an hour to recover from that. We we would all do that. We would all do the same. And I th- so I thought that was normal. But if you eat in the correct proportion, pro- but if you eat in the correct proportions for your diet type, then that's never gonna be the case again. That is, if you eat quality organic foods. And so what is actually supposed to happen is that you feel energized after it. You feel ready to go. And there are all these symptoms that you can address that uh, come either from eating too much protein or too much carbs for the proportions of that meal. And so when you are aware of those symptoms and what they stand for, then you can actually address it and you can bring your body back to balance and you can go back to feeling good again. So these are some of the things I look at when I build a program for myself and for my clients. There definitely comes more into the entire process, but this would be just the basic structure, the the basic foundation of the program. So I hope that helps. Thank you for watching, listening, viewing and subscribing. I'll see you guys in the next one. Peace.